0: May all beings be happy. May all beings be healthy. May all beings be free from harm. May all beings love life. May all beings awaken. Welcome to another Cuke Audio podcast. I'm D.C., Puba of Cuke Audio and Cuke Archives. I pray that you and yours are safe and comfortable free from economic hardship and able to get out and do whatever it is you want within the limitations of the universal precept of do as little harm as possible. So today we're going to have uh, a life in Bali. There's no guest. Uh, I just, um, I'm uh, a day late at least for getting Last week's podcast, up. and um, so uh, I just thought I would mm, tell you a few things that have happened recently. So uh, on Friday, our uh, housekeeper Cadet sent me a message that she and her family were going to Basaki The Mother temple here in Bali. I knew that because uh, she couldn't work on Saturday uh, and uh, but they they wanted Katrinka and me to come with them and uh, Katrinka couldn't but I accepted uh, and um, so they picked me up well she came actually she invited me on Thursday. And then she came by Friday. Uh, she she cleans the house near here for a couple of hours on Friday. She came by to go over what I would wear. Um, I had to have a white shirt. She brought a couple of them uh, that were way too small. But we found a uh, an off-white shirt that was suitable, that fit me, that was mine. And... Um, you know uh then a uh, sarong and a sort of sash that goes with it, and uh, I have some, but she wanted me to wear uh, one she brought that was uh not as dark as mine there uh, people wear white and light colors as much as possible at the mother temple uh the and uh so I and a little thing on my head called Nadung. Uh, which is like uh, a headband, sort of. It's a little thicker than the normal one, sort of sticks up in front. And it was an all-white one. I have a couple of them for ceremonies. Uh, So anyway, they came by the next morning before 7 in the morning. Uh, Basica is, you know, we say it's an hour and a half from here, but usually two hours because of traffic. And... uh, uh, she walked in the door and she said, have you had breakfast? I said, well, I had a little bit, but I don't really eat this early. And she said, have you had a shower? I said, well, I took one last night before I went to bed. She said, go take a shower. <laughs> so uh, I went and took a shower. And while I was taking a shower, she made me the tea the way she knows I like it. Uh, and uh, chai really, with some cashew almond milk that she makes. It's wonderful and a little, uh, little uh, grass-fed cow milk with it to give it a little body. Anyway, she made that and she had it in a travel cup all ready to go and then made sure I was dressed and looked good and everything. And uh, I went out and joined her family. Her uh, husband, Katoot is... Really, the, 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 well, aside from the people whose place we were staying at when we first got here, well, he was the first person I met. And we were staying in a little homestay, Made homestay. And in front, uh, on, by the, it was on the bypass, which is the big divided road, that there was a little, um, and there was a room there with drivers that, uh, you know took jobs people would call him for a driver so um i started talking to him and uh, i liked him and so uh, he became our our driver if we needed to go somewhere uh, of of any distance you know uh not nearby uh and uh, so we got to know him and then uh her and their kids So that was uh, nine years ago, a little over, nine years, beginning about nine years and four months ago. Uh, And uh, when we moved from there, that area, to uh, over here, uh, we hired her as a housekeeper uh, because she didn't speak any English. And uh, that's what uh, I want you know, and she had no experience with that, except, of course, she knew how to clean a house. And um, she, you know, we knew the family, and, and she'd never been able to have a good job. She made these bon ten these offering, um, little uh, offering trays that are made out of uh, uh, like palm leaves uh, with flowers in them and this and that. She made them for, I figured about a penny each in the market in the morning. And uh, then she was working in her uh, uncle-in-law, toots uncle, in his restaurant for about, uh, about, uh, oh, 30, um, $30 a month. Uh, that, That uncle really took advantage of uh, them. Um, mm. Anyway, so she she came over here and started working. And uh, we just fell in love with her first day. She was great. She was very pleasant and did a great job and everything. So um, we've known them a long time. We don't use uh, her husband, Katoot anymore as a long-distance driver. He'd get busy and... There are other reasons, but we really like him and the family. And the kids, uh, we're, we're uh, sending her daughter, Lena, through college. Now, I could never afford and never even considered sending my sons through college, but this is about $600 a year. So that's a lot for us. But, um, you know, we're involved with the family. and It'll make such a difference for them. Uh, and... You know, she does a lot for us. She's uh, anyway. So they drive. uh, They drove uh, toward Basaki, and we talked. And Katoot was explaining the different types of temples, which I've heard a number of times. And uh, he got, you know, he got a little. uh, Sometimes they think I understand more than I do. So when he was through, I said. I appreciate that. That was good. Uh, I love listening to Indonesian, and I understood about a third of it, and so they all laughed. Anyway, so we get there to the Mother Temple, and, uh, and Jokowi, the president of Indonesia, was just there recently to launch a new parking lot, dedicate, what would be a good word? to A ceremony for a new parking area, not a lot. It's the biggest parking building I ever saw in my life. Uh, it had multiple entrances with cars going in and, uh, just, it was, I think about five floors and there's not a lot of tall buildings here. Uh, and each floor was, I don't know, I'd say at least as big as a football field. Uh, it was massive. Uh, and then from there, we then Katrinka and I were there once before, and uh, Katut drove us there about eight years ago, and we walked. He couldn't drive further than a certain point, and and so it was big walk uphill to where it was, but they had motor scooters there to drive you up, you know. So we did that. And then once you get there, you have to walk upstairs and up and up. It's you know on the side of uh, uh, an incline, a mountain. It's it's right near Mount Agung, the the biggest mountain here and the, the volcano. It's an active volcano. So anyway, we all walked up that in our ceremonial garb, and uh, that, so this is Katud and his wife Kadek. And then their kids, uh, Nopita, who is a mother. Uh, I said, where's the baby? Oh, the baby is with a relative. Uh, big families, you know, and, and just so many ties. And Lena, the second daughter is going to school. She's going to be a school teacher. And then, um, Jatmika the son who's in high school. Anyway, they all were carrying things except for Katoot and me. (laughs) Uh, Baskets full of offerings and stuff for, you know, like incense and stuff. Um, And uh, so we walked up and up and up and up. And I like doing that. I love it. I wish I had an incline to walk up here. And I'm walking a lot now. And I really, I've, I've started walking more. I'm really glad Uh, The more I walk, uh, the better. You know, I tried going up and down the stairs fast here, but then I started, my ankle started going out. It was too hard on it. So, um, you know, walking, and we're doing more yoga. We did have a yoga teacher. Now we're just doing it on video, and we're doing more. Uh, And that stuff, it really makes a difference. That makes a difference in how well I think, but also, you know, just Getting out, I feel lighter, you know. And just being able to walk up, 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 up. up. Keep going. And then to get to the entrance. And um, so uh, then you go up some stairs and you get to the first sort of big area. And there's some, it's not one temple. There's 406 temples there. There's a certain number of large ones and a certain number of small ones. And they have these Pagodas, they call them meru, that, you know, they, they have uh, with five tiers, seven tiers, nine tiers, and 11 tiers. And they have this black hairy type roofs, which are like thatch. But it's made out of, uh, Kutut was telling me it's, and I've heard it before, I forget, it's made out of some sort of palm bark. Palm doesn't really have a bark, it's almost like a big grass. Anyway, from something from a particular type of palm tree and it's the fanciest uh most traditional old-fashioned mm, roof for temples and pagodas and shrines and that sort of thing beautiful uh anyway uh, we go up so then we we you know we Took a little break there and sat there and took some pictures. And they go up the next level. And there's just all these beautiful uh, shrines and buildings. It's not, uh, you know, they are temples like these. They're not like buildings you go in. They're sort of open. Uh, Anyway, we sat there and waited a while. And then we fit in. There, There were, incidentally, thousands of people walking in and walking out thing about the mother temple here is it's uh, like you've got to go there uh, for uh, it's it's one of the stations to go to for a funeral That's for all the Hindus in Bali there's like three temples where they go to at different stages of their funeral uh, it's not like one thing there's it <laughs> it's complicated and then uh, this was something they do once every three years, and and Katu told me not Katu Kadek, the wife, told me she um she doesn't go every three years, you know, or they don't go. They're going this time, and um, and I asked her how many times she'd been there. And she said about twenty, and so then we have our first ceremony, which. Uh, They're very nice. You just sit, and it's very much like other ceremonies. You just sit there, and there's a priest chanting, and he's doing stuff with flowers and incense and everything, and then he goes and gets some water, and he sprinkles it on your head. No, first they put it in your hands. You cup your hands, and you just sort of, what was it first? Oh, you take a sip out of it. And the last time you splash your face, sometimes you do it four times. And then you put your hand, he has a little like silver tray there and you take some rice and it's wet and you put it on your forehead. Then you just sit there a while. It's very easy. It's nice. You don't have to think anything or believe anything. You just do it. We had a little ceremony like that when when uh, we built a guest room here. Uh, thanks to my son, Clay. And um, the the landlord said, well, we need to have an opening ceremony or whatever for it. And so we did. And he's got a son who does that lower level of ceremony. And we had that with Kadak, uh, you know, the housekeeper, Katrinka, me, uh, Katut, our landlord. There's a lot of people name Katoot. They only have a few names here. <laughs> and it seems like. And uh, uh, his son, Kadek, another Kadek, uh, it, male and female uh, names are male and female, most of them. And uh, that was really nice. Anyway, so we had that ceremony. And then we go sit down, we eat some fruit, and we're sitting with other people. And the guy next to me starts talking, and he's a priest who helps take care of uh, the place. It was very well organized. It had enormous staff. It had soldiers there. It uh, had—everywhere you go, there's somebody, you know, for parking. There's people saying, you go in here, you know. For, For walking in, there's people who say, yeah. Uh, no, don't go that way. That's for those who are coming down. Go this way. and um, But another thing is people here are so nice together in a crowd. It's almost without exception. In fact, I can't even think of an exception. Pleasant, harmonious, uh, really nice together. And also, being with the family is like that. There's no tension. There's no conflict. They're fairly quiet, but they're sort of friendly and can be funny. And it's it's just really pleasant. I mean, and to me, that's the ceremony. It's really nice. So we had another ceremony just like that with more people, um, and, you know, I can ask what does all this signify and stuff, but I'll just forget it. And, you know, a lot of times the answers I get are like, oh, I don't remember or I don't know. Um, uh, You know, there'll be a a, a red day, which is a day for a ceremony or uh, it can be a Muslim thing. Red day is national. Uh, and it just means the calendar, the special calendars are marked red there. So... Uh, And there was one, and I was asking Nyoman, who's our driver that drives us locally around here to go shopping or whatever. I said, well, why why is that place closed? He said, oh, it's a red day. I said, what sort of red day? Is it uh, Hindu? And he said, yeah. I said, what's it about? He said, oh, I don't know. I forget. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I like that. That's that's, – (laughs) <laughs> I, I like, it's shamanistic, really, or what would you say, animistic. It's all about spirits and the stuff about, uh, you know, what we think of as Hinduism, Brahma and Vishnu and uh, Krishna and Lakshmi and all that. They know that stuff and, and they can say it, but what they're into are the spirits. So anyway, we walked down we were there a couple hours, maybe more, and it was, we'd been there, on the way out, I saw some Westerners coming in, but uh, for, I'd say for the first two and a half hours, that's probably how long we were up there, I didn't see a single Westerner, only Balinese, uh, and boy, were there a lot of them, I, just thousands going in and out, but... Uh, and, you know, there's plenty of room. It's not really crowded because there's there's so – it's such big space. So anyway, now uh, we get back to the car and uh, there's a little something for everybody to eat or drink. And I drink my tea she made for me. I hadn't had any of it then. And uh, when I got up in the morning, I did not drink hot water as I usually do. I drink, uh, you know uh, – only tea, you know, after I'd done some walking meditation, sitting meditation, everything, which was all abbreviated greatly because I was going to have to leave before 7. I just drank tea uh, in the morning a little bit because I didn't want too much liquid in me because I didn't want to have to pee when, you know, we're going up there. and uh, uh, and And, oh, we all went to the new public toilets and peed before we left. And they were all spick and span, clean, and you know, a little sterile. Uh, but you know, the having nice, clean, taken care of public toilets is really important. Uh, the The big Buddhist temple here, I know the the uh, family that's really sort of in charge of it. the The son of the founder. Of the big Buddhist temple here, Brahma, We are a Rama, and um, uh, I, I wrote the the wife uh, uh, because she's a super meditator, and I've done vipassana retreats with her. I wrote her a uh, uh, a note saying, you know, there's all sorts of improvements and statues and pagoda and your stupa and everything going into Brahma, we hire Rama. It just keeps expanding and it's beautiful. But your toilets have not been improved uh, in for a long time. And that's really a mark. That's, uh, you know, well tended toilets are a sign of a place that's being taken care of i said really you should do that first anyway it was a little critical and uh, she said she'd pass it on ah so anyway uh and oh and i saw something i'd never seen before plastic roof tile the tiles looking like you know clay or porcelain whatever you call them. Uh, Roof tiles made out of plastic. I'd never seen that. Nobody had. We all looked at it. Uh, but anyway, uh, so we got out of there, and then we drove. Uh, and so Katut said we should have Bobby guling. Now, Bobby guling is the favorite food of people here. I, I can tell you from experience. Uh, the musicians I worked with, uh, every time we were together practicing or recording, I catered. And that meant Newman would go out and get everybody a bunkus, and that means a wrap. It would be some sort of little lunch thing. It could be uh, one that had some chicken and vegetables in it and this and that. But what they really liked was the days when... He'd get them. And this is like for a dollar and a half each. Bobby Guling, you just get them like wrapped, wrapped in um, a banana leaf or a brown piece of paper, you know, some rice. And Bobby is pig. And Guling, I think it means something like a skewer. I don't really like it that much. Uh, and I don't want to eat it. But I have on occasion just to join others. But I hadn't had any in, in. Over a year, and uh, but anyway, they were he was just gonna stop and get you know like a cheap one for each of us on the side of the road, and the the girl said no, go to this place. Anyway, uh, they told him where it was, and so you know it took us yeah I don't know forty five minutes an hour maybe an hour to get there, and it was like in the country. Of course, there's a lot of country, Uh, and and but taking these small roads and it was like sort of hidden, you know, going down a uh, like a dirt road somewhere, and then we came up to a place that was just by around surrounded by rice paddies and and jungle, and there was nothing else there, and but there were signs there that said the name of the restaurant was Bobby Guling something it was a bobby guling restaurant and it was it was um it was you know open air and everything and there was a big parking lot there and there were motor scooters parked up and down and we walked up to the to the entrance you know uh, and we had to uh, there i could see there were like at least 100 people there eating at tables and we had to get on a waiting list and uh it was, so anyway, we got in, and we had a table, and it was right by Riceville. It was a very, very nice area, and there was um, a violin player playing music, which is really nice because there's a lot of crappy music uh, you'll hear. Um, and so uh, he asked what I wanted, and I said, you, "You just, I'll just take the same thing. So we all got the same thing. And it was Bobby guling you know, rice and there were like four strips of white meat and then a crunchy uh picked skin and, and there was a crunchy picked well, a dark one and a light one and a piece of sausage and a little piece of light liver sausage or something. So you know, I I don't really eat like that, but you know, I'm that's what they were doing. So I joined in, had some Iced tea. Anyway, it was just very pleasant being with them, and uh, then when when we were all through uh, Katut, you know, the husband said, you know, he was ready to go. Let's go. And I said, wait a minute, let's sit here and talk a minute. And I said, Kadak, um, how do you pronounce that uh, stuff you make muesli out of the the grain? And she said, no, I don't want to say it. <laughs> I said, come on, how do you say it? It's oats, right? And some, you know, she'd tell me when we go shopping and she'll tell me what we need. And she'll say, oats. <laughs> I say, it's not oats, it's oats. But anyway, then we all <laughs> were teasing her and, and Katut speaks fairly good English. And he said, you know, oats. So then I ask her, okay, what's the name of Tom's wife? And she goes, Ipan. <laughs> it's Yvonne. Can you say Yvonne? And of course, the kids <laughs> were home <laughs> picking on her <laughs> and laughing. Uh, and, uh, but she says F's and V as P. And that's very normal here. Anyway, uh, and then I pointed out that a carpenter who works for us when we need something here, his name is Fetty and he's from Java. And for two years, I thought his name was Perry. And then one, and I tell them this, I say one day he turned to me and he said, Fetty. Uh, it's really weird. <laughs> anyway, uh, you, you, I found that F and V, uh and W somewhat, but F and V mainly are pronounced differently in different countries and so they have sounds that some people just don't use in their language. Uh and uh, anyway, so uh but then they turned on me. They one one of their uh consonants here is N G. And it's really hard to say it right. You know, I don't really try that hard. Uh, but the the bypass, the the four lane road that runs, you know, near our house, uh, you know, a uh, hundred yards away or something, more than that, half a kilometer away. Uh, it's right N G A R A. I think it was the name of a person, and so I try to say it, and they go, "No, it's so and so," and I can't hear any. I can't hear what Kutu was doing, what he's saying. I and then I try and go, "Gara, no, it's nyara, or something," and I couldn't hear. I couldn't hear. What's the difference? Uh, and so they're all laughing at me, anyway. We get in the car and I can't give up. And I try it again. And they go, yeah, that's it. Ah, And so I did it a few times. I don't think I could do it. Again, I don't know what I did that was right. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) that's the language for it. So we drove home. And um, the bypass uh, from the rama statue you know ramayana the great hindu tale from the giant rama statue with hanuman and all the monkeys running all over it to uh the uh to a particular intersection that really starts you know getting in uh sanur uh it was i could have walked faster than we were going. I was talking to Kadak about it today. She said, I said it was because there were uh, cars parked on on the blocking a lane. So everybody went down to one lane in one place. She said, it's like that every day in the afternoon. There's so much traffic here. It's so ridiculous. Uh, and they just allow the more and more new vehicles to come in. Things to run here on not very good planning. Well, the world is like that. It's not very good planning. It's all some people making money from it, you know and uh, but anyway, uh we did get back eventually, and that was very good. And then I was so tired. I really don't like riding in cars long distances. Anymore, I don't know. My my, I think it's inner ear. My my balance is good. I'm seventy eight now. My balance isn't as good. But I'll tell you, we're doing this yoga, especially the stuff that's balancing that I can hardly do. I mean, it's it's laughable. Has improved my balance, and i done t- I I think six, five five years ago, six years ago, I could do those moves. Fairly well for me, you know, not like real yoga yoga practitioner, but, you know, standing on one leg and going forward and stuff like that. And, you know, I just stopped doing that type of stuff. I continued doing yoga, but I did more stuff that was easier. But now we're, we're doing regularly, you know, including in our regimen, stuff like that and it it's you know it's like i stagger around almost falling down but i'm getting better and it it definitely has improved my balance and um you know i've gotten to where i always want a handrail if i'm going down or up a staircase but sometimes like i've got to go downstairs where there's no handrail and i can do that better now um also, the walking uphill and downhill is so much better. Now, I, you know, it's like I've got to keep it up every day. But anyway, I got home. Boy, I was tired. And then the next morning at five in the morning, I woke up and felt a gurgling in my stomach. And I will not, uh, I will not uh, bother you with. What happened in the next four hours, I'd say, three hours, two hours, really, really uh, sort of like a little bit of an ordeal. And then the third hour, uh, better. The fourth hour, sort of going away. And then I slept for four hours on the couch. But I called it the revenge of the pig. Mm. Anyway you know more than anything to me what was wonderful about that day was being with people that are really exemplary in how they relate to each other and i guess you'd say they're sort of middle class but you know they live in a very small home and and don't have much i've been over there and and uh you know, could serve. Nyoma, the driver uh, drove us over there just to uh, have lunch one day. And she said, I want to make you lunch. So we went over there and, you know, she's proud of her home <laughs> and her neighbors. You know, I've been there before and met neighbors and we talked and she made us he Hitam. It's um, black Gluten rice. Uh, it's sort of like a little bit sweet with uh, a type of coconut sauce. It's sort of like co- coconut yogurt that's made with the old coconut. that You can get it in America and you can make it. If you make coconut yogurt off the, uh, you know, the Internet instructions with the old coconut, uh, the hard stuff you get in America… That is unbelievably good. It is, but it's so rich, and she makes it here for us. I tell her, just look, once every two weeks is enough. It's just too rich and too good. We, we can't control ourselves with it. But anyway, we had a really nice time there. And then I looked at their guitar. I, I picked it up, and it was, it, it needed strings. And then I looked at the, body of it, and it was broken. So, I said, alright, on the way back, let's stop by that guitar store on Jalan Buyan. Jalan means street. Uh, it also means to walk or travel or <laughs> vacation. <laughs> Depends on how you use it. Anyway, we went to this little cheap guitar store where I've, I get strings if I need them, and and they had a guitar uh, there that I replaced it with. It cost about $14. Uh, and, you know, they're really happy to have it. And nobody really plays guitar there, but, you know, the son can mess around with it. And Yoman took the broken guitar. He'll take anything. uh You know, uh, he'll figure out a way to make something of it. So, you know, the point I was making there is I experience how harmonious it is to be with people here all the time. But that's at the level that I do it. You can also get screwed over here, especially in business. And uh, we got uh, really taken by a woman in immigration here who uh, was taking care of our visas and they kept the money. And uh, all of a sudden we find out it hadn't been paid and it's... uh, uh, you know we're overstaying. It ended up costing thousands of dollars in bribe, and that's another thing about here. I was talking to a friend recently who's uh, lawyer for uh, General Motors, and he was talking about uh, how General Motors had a plant here, but the it's all the business is based on bribing. And America has passed laws where you can go to prison for being involved in bribing a foreign country. So they sold their plant to the Chinese that was near Jakarta. And uh, Joe Colway, the president, has really worked hard to reduce corruption. But, you know, at the level of business, you really got to be careful. Uh, oh, I want to tell you one thing. The, uh, the level of business... I was talking to a guy today. There's a Swiss couple we just met. Uh, he's from Algeria, uh, but he was born in New York because his father was the ambassador from Algeria to the United Nations. And he was born in New York City, like Katrinka, or near there. I think he might have been born in Long Island. Uh, anyway, he does a lot of business here. He he does real estate. He buys some property buildings and everything. And, you know, he figured out how to do it without, uh, you, you know, after a while, people learn how to negotiate. It's not like worse than America. It's different. Uh, and I'm not a business person, so I don't have to worry about it. But you have to be worried uh, on that level. But one thing, uh, and and, you know, I've, I've said frequently how wonderful it is to see how people relate to each other driving here. Now, people complain about drivers everywhere, and I've heard them do it here. But my gosh, you can turn in front of people here, and they don't yell and scream at you. I've never seen road rage. Never. And there's a lot of traffic, and there's too much. Uh, But I'm going to tell you the other side of this is the word run amok comes from Indonesia. And uh, in 1965, when there was a an attempted coup by mainly communists, but tied into, you know, a, a number of people in the military, uh, the Communist Party was very strong in Indonesia back then, and Sukarno was really being uh, anti-American, anti uh Uh, mainly anti-European in England, you know, pro-China and all that. But, uh, and they played China and Russia, but he was getting closer to China. And there was an attempted coup where they killed six top generals in one night. And then they, they planned to do other stuff and take over. They got the radio station. And the dudes in the army sharp dudes, man. They they put it down right away, really fast. And Sukarno uh, was sort of like playing both sides. Eventually, within a couple of years, he had to go because of all that. And also, he was a horrible manager. But he cared about people, but he tended to build a lot of monuments and things. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Here the army had put down the communist coup, and then they started killing people. And then they put out the word, kill your communists. And, you know, towns, villages, cities were getting the word that the communists should be killed. And they started killing people in mass, whole villages. Everybody over six years old in some places. Uh, They were beheading people uh, all day long in some towns. And and they said it was rather they didn't get a lot of resistance. People would sort of just give up and stand in line. Uh, uh, But then it caught on in Bali. And Bali went nuts. Now, they really didn't like the communists here. The communists were getting strong here, too, a lot of, you know, uh, but not as strong as central Java. And, uh, but the thing is, they were against the Banjar system, the neighborhood system. This whole island is run by neighborhoods. That's much more important than the police or the army. You know, the, the neighborhoods have their own sort of neighborhood uh, police, sort of. Uh, you know, they, they they take care of any local events or anything. And, you know, I talked to a guy, you know, a, f- a friend of mine had – they caught somebody uh, trying to rob his house. He called the bond owner. They came over, beat him up. And then they turned it over to the police and the police turned him over to his boss and said send him back to Java. They didn't even – bother about you know arresting him but um bali it said uh in in what we've read that well, what it said in in all this uh massacre that was going on that spread a lot to chinese killing chinese because a lot of chinese were communists but also the chinese uh they were the best business people people repre- people resented them because of that so they, they said, what I read, was in Java they had to encourage you know people to kill the communists. In Bali they had to hold them back. Oh, also they wanted to eliminate <laughs> Hinduism and <laughs> the ceremonies and everything. They wanted to destroy Bali culture, so that created a lot of resentment. But in, in Bali really went nuts. More so, it killed a higher percentage of people than anywhere else in Indonesia. And, uh, so, uh, you know, it's sort of like when you look at how the Japanese behaved in World War II, uh, just like the, as, as, as awful an example of atrocities as you can find anywhere. There wasn't atrocities here. It wasn't like that. It was just systematic killing. And again, it said that they didn't get a lot of resistance. So there wasn't torture and stuff like that. It was just, you got to go. So uh, pardon me for bringing that negative thing up. There's plenty negative you can say about uh, anywhere you go. Uh, I wanted to mention something about this couple Uh, Then I said we just met the Swiss. Um, There's, you know, right in front of our front door, there was a nice house with a nice backyard with all these nice trees uh, and a breeze coming through. And uh, the same family owns this whole street. It's a dead-end street. And uh, uh, so... The brother who owns that, uh, you know, gave a notice to the people who were living there, who'd lived there many years. Uh, Well, they got to just move next door to a really nice place. And then they took down all the trees except one, and except for a couple, and built a giant building there uh, with 10 rooms uh, for, like, like a hotel, you know, two-story, big room and uh, a swimming pool. And then they took the house that had been there and remodeled it and made another unit and then had a communal kitchen and living room. And so this is an 11-unit homestay or hotel or something like that, right? And I was just shaking my head going, Man, there are there's so many, there's so much overbuilding here, you know. I I'm worried, you know. You're putting all this money into that, and uh, it, it's it, it, it. You're not gonna have that many customers, or maybe in time, or I don't know. And it and it was built, uh, right. And then COVID started right after they started building. They, anyway. They finished it all. They did a pretty good job. as had a little pool. Uh, but they did have a problem renting it. Uh, they, they, were, they had a very high uh, vacancy problem with it. And uh, it was sort of discouraging. But I would see that over and over, uh, like not having a business sense, really. Uh, but guess what? That Swiss couple who buys and sells real estate here, They just rented the entire place for their home for a year. And uh, it's a great neighborhood, and they're really neat people. And you know what we told them? We'd, We'd heard it was rented for a year, and we were just hoping, and pardon me for saying this, that it wasn't Russians, because this place has been... Uh, wow, <laughs> overrun by Russians, and and we have Russian friends. We love them; they're great, but uh, we didn't want a, a eleven units across from us that had Russians because uh, you know that could bring in all sorts of people who drink a lot and make a lot of noise and stuff. But it's not; it's the opposite. It's this really nice Swiss couple. They're not Swiss in heritage but they're really nice interesting people and they rented that entire place for their home they said well it's hard to find an unfurnished place unfurnished every room has a bed in it or two or i don't know what they're going to do with that but anyway they made a deal with the landlord and um wow that's great you know It's going to be quiet over there, and we have uh, on one side a couple uh, that lives in uh, Melbourne that comes here for a couple of weeks, once or twice a year when there's no COVID, and on the other side, there's a family, mm, I think a, a, a Danish husband, a Javanese mom, and two kids and we can't tell the difference when they're there or not. They are so quiet. And for a long time, that home was vacant. Uh, I mean, was not there was nobody there, right? And it's always been so quiet here. Uh, it's really nice. Oh, I'm going to give you another piece of news. Poof, God. So we've been involved with a lot of people here who are in the program, you know, like AA, al that sort of thing, uh, Drug Alcohol Treatment Center here. Uh, and um, almost all uh, the people in, uh, that we know from that are really doing well and are happy to have that behind them. But a few have had a hard time. We had my closest friend and uh, He was starting a drug alcohol rehab, and it got to be too much. My favorite tennis partner too, much younger, died at like thirty-nine or something. Uh. And uh, you know, we've had, we've seen friends relapse. Where it's really awful, you know, just like. Bottle vodka bottles everywhere, and you know, just can't stop. And then they do stop. But anyway, so we've seen various examples of people uh, uh, falling out of grace with uh, losing it, right? And this one guy we know, young guy makes very good living uh, in the tech world uh, it it's he's uh, into martial arts and um, he's um you know a nice quiet guy but he 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 did have a problem with alcohol and violence which uh, uh it's um you know that's the bad behavior that's most closely associated with alcohol. And, um, oh, wow. Katrinka comes to me and shows me his picture is on a a local news site. Uh, He fell off the wagon and got drunk. Then he's been arrested for getting in an argument with that waitress. And then slashing her thigh with a knife. Nobody carries knives here. What is he? Well, it turns out the knife was part of his martial arts thing that he was coming from uh, doing it or whatever. But he got arrested. Oh boy, great. An American coming over here to this low violence place, unless it's 1965, 66, and bringing violence into Indonesia like that, attacking somebody with a knife. Oh, boy, is that guy in trouble. Now, he's got money, though, and the waitresses sued him. I would think he could probably get out of it by paying her off and get deported, which he won't want to do, but, gee, uh, they can't have him around acting like that. So that's sad. That's really shocking to see. Anyway, that's life in Bali. (laughs) I thought I'd just do a little short one and tell you how nice it was to be with Kadek and her family, but I just went over other stuff. There's pros and cons anywhere you go in the world, and uh, we like the pros here. They work out well for us. We can't live like this in the West, you know. Actually, we can't live like we're living anywhere else. But everything has its birth and its death and things decay. And you can't depend on anything here. You can't depend on your favorite restaurant staying open. You can't depend on, you know, you can't depend on anything. It can all change. Uh, I mean, that's true everywhere, but it's really true here because the the laws are, you know, are not, they're a little more rubbery here. Uh, So anyway, we're very grateful for the good time we've had. We look forward to more good time and we will not be utterly shocked if the good times end. Uh, but we will see what happens. So uh, <laughs> thanks for listening to all that. But that is Life in Bali. And uh, I'm D.C. Puba of cute Archives and cute Audio coming to you from Sleepy Sonor. With dog bandita, feline kuchita, and dear, <gasps> no, not feline cuchita, I still say it, but well, she's buried here. And dear, lovely Katrinka, we're wishing you and yours and all of us a grand awakening.